In the first eight episodes of this second season, I talked about the six components that make you more trusted. I'm going to start talking about applications of those six components in different circumstances. We are bombarded with TV and radio commercials telling us that certain brands are trusted. And I always cringe when I hear that. Are they really trusted? Are they worthy of your trust, of my trust? Says who? What you will find in this episode is that there is no one way to be trusted as a brand. And a few mistakes that brands make in their attempt to be perceived as trusted and how to avoid those mistakes. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 9 of The Trust Show. I'm your host, Yoram Solomon, a researcher of trust and the author of The Book of Trust. In this educational podcast, I will share with you everything I know and discovered about trust. I will challenge you to think differently about trust, but not only will I teach you about trust, I will also give you actionable advice on how to build trust, be trusted, and know who to trust. Because the answer to these two questions will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? And can you trust me? Yesterday, I received an interesting piece of feedback about this podcast, and that was that there was the perception that I was holding back, that, that I'm not giving all of the crowned jewels. And so I wanted to clarify it. First of all, I appreciate that feedback, and, and maybe 10% of it would be true, but 100% is true in perception, and apparently, at least for one viewer, that was the perception. And I thought about where is it coming from, and maybe it was coming from uh, when I say that I will talk about this in a future episode. And and the reason that I do that, that, that I say that I will talk about something in a future episode, is because really I have the next five or six seasons laid out. I have a lot of content, and unless I decided the episodes are going to be 30 to 50 hour long, yes, not minutes, 30 to 50 hours long, then I'm not going to be able to squeeze everything into one episode. So I do have to stretch things out and and to come back to something. And I can promise you that whenever I say that I will talk about this in a future episode, I actually do take a note to make sure that I do get back to it. You will notice that I actually have a slightly newer opening uh, starting this episode and that I'm actually saying that I'm sharing everything that I know and I learned. And I do... And I do the same with the book of trust. Everything that I know and everything that I learned, I put into the book of trust. And this is why I'm actually working on the third edition for the book of trust right now. You see, my content continues to evolve with time. I learn new things. Sometimes I even learn that something that I thought about was wrong or that I need to look at it from a different perspective. And when that happens, I will correct it and I will have a new episode that will correct it. Why am I sharing everything? And I really am sharing everything. I'm not worried about giving away the crown jewels. Simply because 
listening to this podcast or reading the Book of Trust is not going to be the same as having me in an interactive, engaging, action-driven workshop, whether it's in-person or virtual. The reason I'm sharing everything is because this is my legacy. You know, I know I don't know if you ever asked yourself this question, but what would you like written on your headstone after you pass? I was asked this question years ago, I think more than a decade ago. What would I like to have written on my headstone? And I had to think about that and I realized that I want three words. He inspired me. That's what I do. That's why I do what I do. This is why I'm going to be sharing everything. This is my legacy. This is what I'm going to leave behind. And this is why I'm going to share everything in the podcast, in the book of trust, and any other way that I can. So I hope I clarified this. I am sharing everything. When I say that I'll get to something later, I will get to it later. I am taking a note. And now let's talk about how to be trusted as a brand. So first, I want to make sure I'm not the only person that notices how many of those commercials on TV, on radio, on anywhere on the internet that claim or certain brands claim that they are trusted. We are the trusted brand. And why are they doing that? Well, first of all, because trust is important. And, and maybe companies and brands are realizing that. And, and I found that in one of my surveys when I asked, what is the most important quality for you in another person? And granted, the, the type of people that I talked about were uh, salespeople trying to sell you something, your boss, your employee, your peer, say your government representative, and even your spouse. And the number one quality was always, with 61.2%, the most important quality was your trustworthiness. And I guess that brands are starting to catch that. And, and unfortunately, we are losing a lot of the trust in, in our society, in, in our culture. You know, in, if you apply this to sales, which is the closest to, to talking about brands, if you apply this to sales in another survey that I did, what I found was that if you sell something, a product or a service for the same price as an untrustworthy brand or, or salesperson, if you are trustworthy, you will get the business 100% of the time over your competitor. Your competitor is going to get nothing and you get 100% of the business. But I even found in that survey that you could charge 29.6%, almost 30% higher price for your products or services and still get the deal. Now you're going to be at 50-50 chance, but you still get the deal. There is a premium for your being trustworthy. And my guess is that the reason we're hearing so many in so many commercials and ads that, that brands, brand X or brand Y are trusted and are trustworthy and trust us is because they realize how important it is. But there is a problem. And, and the problem, I think the best way to describe it is it's the chicken and egg problem. And the chicken and egg is that you are asking me to trust you. But since I don't trust you yet, why would I believe it when you say that you are trusted? So you're telling me you're trusted, but I don't trust you to tell me the truth. So why do I trust you that you're trusted? See, if I did trust you, you actually wouldn't have to say 
that you are trusted. It's a chicken and egg. You tell me you're trusted, but I don't trust you yet. So I don't trust the fact that you're telling me that you are trusted or the your belief that you are trusted. And once you are trusted, then I will trust you, but I already trust you. So there's no need for you to say that you're trusted. In fact, what happens is the opposite. Because when you say that you are trusted and you don't have any proof or any evidence for that, what happens is that you lose my trust. So when an an untrusted, and I'm not going to say that it's untrustworthy, when a brand is not trusted yet and it claims to be trusted, it can actually lose trust. And I, I will explain in this episode why, and I will explain what you can do about it. So the first thing that I need to explain is why do you actually lose trust when you say that you are trusted? And, and it's simple. If you go back into the model, the six component model, which I covered in the first eight episodes of this season, you will know that there are six components in uh, th that are split into two groups, the what you do and the who you are. And, and I'm not going to talk about the who you are right now. I'm going to talk about the what you do. And what you do starts with positivity. Do you bring positive or negative uh, into the interaction? And the positivity is broken into two subcomponents, the level of BS that you bring and your self-centrism. And, and specifically, I'm going to talk about the level of BS. When you say something that is important but has no evidence, no proof, then what you're sharing is opinion. But when you share your opinion without that evidence and without proof, this is considered BS. I'm sorry, it is. It's considered BS. It's considered, instead of positivity, it's considered negativity. And the entire interaction just drags the level of trust that I have in you down instead of up. So how do you provide proof or evidence that you are trusted and therefore should be trusted by people watching your commercial? I'm going to start with the fifth law of trust, law, trust law number five, trust is transferable. And I'm, I'm going to break it into three parts. The first one is trust is transferable when you provide proof by a lot of people. So let me ask you a question. When you buy something on Amazon, do you ever look at the reviews? You know, does it have an average four-star review, 4.5 or more? How many people provided that review? I, the same with eBay, the same with Uber. When you go in, into an Uber, when, when you book an Uber uh, uh, driver or a ride, uh, I look at two things. What is the average review? I mean, obviously, if you see that there are like 12,000 reviews and the average score is 1.5 out of 5, then uh, I'm not getting into that car or buying that thing from eBay or from Amazon. If I see that the reviews are five stars, I see that there is a five star, but there are like three reviewers, you know, maybe I'm cynical, maybe I'm disillusioned, but I'm going to guess that those three people are either the producer, the, the seller themselves, or their friends. It's when I see 12,000 reviewers that I think, oh, you know what? There are a lot of people that I don't know any of them, 
but they gave a review that's on average 4.5. Now, obviously, I also care about how relative it is to other products just like that. So I'm about to buy something on Amazon. There are several different products. One of them has 200 reviews. The other has three reviews and the last one has 12,000. Well, if all of them are the same, uh, let's say that they rank at 4.5, I'm okay with all of them. I, I, but, but I'm, I shouldn't say that I'm okay with all of them. I, I'm the best is the last one, the one with 12,000. So 4.5 star review, but 12,000. Let's agree that it's really hard to fabricate 12,000 reviews at 4.5 uh, star average. And by the way, obviously, because bad is so much stronger than good, I would start by looking at the one-star review and see what went wrong there. But nevertheless, the average is 4.5, and it's the average of 12,000 reviews. So what happens if the 12,000 reviews are at 4, but there is a three-person review at 5 for another product? I would probably take the one with a 4.5 or 4 uh, because it has 12,000 reviews. Because that 5-star review with 3 people, I'm going to worry about that. So we go for numbers. So that's, that's the first part of transferable trust, how I use transferable trust. I'm going to trust you because you provided evidence from 12,000 people. And it's good evidence. You know, maybe not the best, not, not maybe 5 out of 5, but it is good uh, it's good review and it's a lot of people. So the first way to use transferable trust or trust law number five is to go for numbers, go for quantity. The second one is go for something that is independently trusted. So for example, I watched one of those uh, commercials is for Subaru. And I used to own a Subaru in, in Israel. In Israel, by the way, Subarus are so much more common than here, or used to be. I should say used to be because I left Israel in 98, 23 years ago. Uh, so I don't know if they're still as common as, as they used to be. But regardless, Subaru uses the we're trusted. But they don't say we're trusted, period, trust us. <laughs> That's when we get into the chicken and egg. They say we trust us, says Kelly Blue Book. So they use a trusted intermediary who I trust. So over the years, I learned to trust reviews by Kelly Blue Book or in Kelly Blue Book. And based on that, I go, well, if Kelly Blue Book says that this is the most trusted brand, I, I didn't check their methodology to see that this is a methodology that I agree with. But if Kelly Blue Book uses the word trusted, in the context of Subaru as a car, then I'm going to go along. And as far as transferable trust goes, I agree. So as opposed to quantity, now we're talking about quality and we're talking about an independent trusted source uh, that I trust. And because they say that Subaru is trusted, then I trust Subaru, transferable trust. The third part is by specific people who I know. So this is not people who are uh, biased in, in my favor or in your favor if you're trying to sell me something. These are not actors. You, you know, I'm sorry, you bring a Kardashian, you, you bring somebody else. Great, but with all due respect, what do they know about cars? So a lot of people know them, but unlike Kelly Blue Book, who specializes in evaluating cars, 
uh, Kim Kardashian is not an expert on cars or, or not known for that. So don't bring me actors. Um, bring it with real people. And, and I'll talk about intimacy in a minute. But bring real people who actually used it, use it. And, and I like it that in many of the commercials, they actually write, write down below that person speaking. And this is someone I don't know. And they write, this is an actual user. And so it's a higher bar for me to not trust them when they write that this is an, a, a real person because I, I'm just thinking, you know what, it, it's going to be really easy to find out if this is a real person that's really using their product or their service. So when you say this is a real, uh, you, you know, maybe it's a uh, some kind of a drug uh, uh, commercial and they say this person actually uses this drug to get over a certain medical condition, I might say, you know what, then, then I trust this person. Uh, it is really important that this is delivered with high intimacy. So with Kelly Blue Book, Kelly Blue Book is an entity. I don't need them to say something. 12,000, uh, when we go for quantity, I don't need to hear 12,000 people. But when you're going to bring three customers of your product or service, I think I want to see them. And I want to see this little thing that says that this is a real, this is not an actor. This is a real customer or real user of our product or our service. And I want to see the consistency of their verbal and nonverbal communication. So I can feel for myself that this consistency means that I can trust them. And as a result, because trust is transferable, law number five, I can trust your products. The next part is to talk about the first three laws of trust and, and one of the components of trustworthiness, and that's that trust is relative. And you have to keep that in mind, that trust is relative. Trust law number one says that if you're trusted, the question needs to be by how much? And you should say it, you know, uh, buy a Subaru, we will protect you. It's not buy a Subaru, you're going to win the Grand Prix. So you got to be specific by, by how much you need to uh, protect. And law number two, same thing, it's trusted to do what? So so again, that's maybe a better uh, use of that uh, analogy. Uh, trust me to protect your family, which is what Subaru, by the way, is using in their commercials. And it's really great because they're not talking about a whole bunch of things. You know, if you take Jeep, Jeep is, is all about adventure. If you take Subaru, it's all about protection and safety. So this is trust law number two. Focus on what is it that you want me to trust you with. And law number three is trusted by whom. And this is where we go into that one of the six components, uh, the personality compatibility, which is one of the three components of who you are. Personality compatibility. You will not be trusted by everyone. So don't even start there. And I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, you know, I, I like, uh, I'm reading the book uh, Atomic Habits by uh, James Clear, and he talks about building uh, habits. And, and this has nothing to do about, with building habits, but he said something very interesting that I never thought about. He said, think about boiling water. When you put them in boiling water, eggs become hard. Potatoes become soft. So the same thing Boiling water has opposite effects on different ingredients. On eggs, makes them harder, hard-boiled eggs, and potatoes make them soft. And I know that because just yesterday I made mashed potatoes and I can tell you for a fact, I put potatoes in boiling water, they did become soft enough 
to be matched. I went too far. An example that I gave you earlier when I talked about the third law of trust is uh, rate my professor. So just in case you didn't hear this, this was uh, uh, in my first season, uh, the episode that talked about uh, personality compatibility. I think it was two episodes. So I'm going to give you that same example. So my daughter, my older daughter had just finished college. My second daughter is halfway through college. And one thing I noticed when she signed up to classes in college was that she was checking a website called Rate My Professors. And as it turns out, this is a brilliant idea. Anonymously, students who took certain classes in certain universities with a specific professor are rating that professor. And I thought that was brilliant, but obviously the next thought through my head was, wait, I'm a professor, I teach at SMU, uh, do I have a Rate My Professor page? So I went and sure enough, I do. And there were two reviews. And if you go back to that episode, I actually read out those two, two reviews. One of the reviews was great. It gave me five out of five. It said I was awesome. But the second review gave me one out of five and said that I was awful. The weird thing or, or interesting thing was that given the time, because those are anonymous, so I don't know who posted those reviews, either one, but given the time and the class, these two students sat in the same class, in the same classroom, and I was obviously the same professor, and they gave such opposite reviews. And by the way, you see that on reviews on Amazon and Uber and, and everything else. I mean, how can people, different people give you such different reviews? And that is because people are different. We are all different. And so when you're trying to sell or be all things to all people, you're making a mistake. Find out who are the people who benefit the most from what you have to offer better than anybody else. These are your people. These are the people you want to be trusted by. Don't try and be trusted by everyone. I'm going to give you a third third example, and I promise I will move on after this. And that's uh, back in Israel, uh, I, I had a company uh, called Solram Electronics that developed a product called Interhome. And Interhome was a product that allowed putting, uh, placing phone calls over the internet. Now, I know what you're thinking. Wait, you mean like Skype and WhatsApp and Facebook and everything else? Yes, but not in 1995. In 1995, nothing like that pretty much existed. And so I was uh, the, the first one. And uh, I remember we went to present this in New York in a trade show, an internet, uh, I think it was called Internet World. And I remember bringing my wife, and my wife was very, very passionate about the product. And, and she was one of our salespeople, and she was trying to sell this product to someone. And at some point, I heard, by the way, my wife is probably the most brilliant salesperson ever. And, uh, and I'm not just saying that because we've been married for 28 years. It just, just, you just need to see her. And she was actually invited by the Israeli Export Institute to give a lecture about how to sell in trade shows. But anyway, that trade show, I was looking at her, hearing her, overhearing her saying to a potential customer, this product is not for you. And I thought, this is not how you sell. You don't tell people this product is not for you. And then I realized she just she realized that this product was not for him. And there is no point in trying to sell something that you have to someone who doesn't need it. So it is really important when you're trying to sell, when you're trying to promote your brand, to sell your brand, that you sell it to the people who really care about what is it that your brand offers that other brands don't.
Who will you be trusted by? You will be trusted by the people who are your target audience. Find them, identify them, identify the people who values what you are providing extra compared to your competitors. Your competitors are offering things that you can't. You know what? Maserati and Porsche and Ferrari offer things that Subaru doesn't. And it's speed and it's style and it's status, whatever. Um, it's definitely not price. And it's not safety. Have you ever seen Ferrari trying to sell cars on safety records? They don't. Subaru does. And therefore, Subaru appeals to a specific audience. So you need to focus on who do you appeal to because trust is relative and different people would trust different people. Know what they care about. Talk to them. So I said at the beginning that, that you need to demonstrate, you need to provide evidence that you are or your brand can be trusted. So I'm going to break it into two parts. I'm going to start with the three components of the who you are. Uh, they play a big role in the commercials or advertisement of your brand and, and should be in all of your collateral material. I'll start with competence. So competence really requires evidence. You know, we met certain standards. Uh, there, there is a brand of uh, homeopathic uh, products and, uh, and natural uh, medications, I guess I'll call them. Uh, and, and they say we are certified by a certain, uh, a certain certification organization. So there is evidence that you are competent, that your brand is competent, that you're doing something right. Find out what is the most relevant, what are the most relevant components of being competent in doing what you say that you do to, to convince that, that the uh, customer, the, the viewer, that you can be trusted. So for example, if you're saying, uh, we are the safest car, then what evidence can you provide? We got a certain grade by the uh, Institute for, uh, uh, I, I don't remember the name of the Institute that, uh, that certifies car safety, uh, but you have that type of evidence and that evidence directly correlates to competence in the context of what you say you should be trusted for. The second component is the personality compatibility. If you remember when I talked about personality compatibility earlier in this season, I talked about the range of things from the universal good or bad to the individual, very specific people that you want to be trusted by and what are the things that you have in common. So appeal to first on, on the universal level, there are good and bad things. You know, safety is good. Even if you buy a Ferrari that does not boast their, their safety record, they're not going to say, well, we're not a safe car, right? So safety is good. So talk about the good things that are universally good in the context of what you do and want to be trusted by. But then go into the individual, into the not universal good or bad, but individual different. So now you're back into what I talked about before in this episode, the unique characteristics of your unique audience and the things that you have uh, in common with them. And, and, you know, as I talk about having things in common, it takes me to the third component, symmetry. So you need to show your customers that you are on the same side. And you show that through two main things. One is that, that you share the vision of your customer. Again, 
specific set of customers. You may not share the vision of other customers. And I remember the best TV commercial for a car that I can recall in the last several years was the Jeep commercial uh, during the Super Bowl. And, and I love that commercial more than any commercial. They use Bruce Springsteen. And the commercial was all about being in the center. You know, we're in a highly politically divisive era in here in the US. And that commercial talked about being in the middle. It, it talked about the majority of us are in the middle. And I felt I, I related to that. That was a common vision for America that I got from a car commercial during the Super Bowl. The second is we're on the same side and there is a common enemy on the other side. So you may want to emphasize instead of the things that we share in terms of vision, you, you can share a common enemy that we're both trying to beat. Because if we're on the same side and the common enemy is on the other side, that actually builds trust under the components of symmetry. And, and another subcomponent of symmetry is really fairness. And so if there's anything that you can say in your commercial uh, or any other way that you promote your brand that makes me feel that you are going to be treating me well, then you're helping me trust you faster. The other three components are the interactions. And I talked more about that. This is the what you do during an interaction. And it starts with the, uh, I talked about the BS, you know, and BS is as simple as when you say that you're trusted and you provide no evidence and, and no way for me to trust you when you say that you're trusted, then you're actually prevent, uh, you're bringing negativity, not positivity through the subcomponent of BS. Intimacy, use people rather than words, because then we can see that they're consistent. We can see the consistency of the words that they use and their nonverbal communications. And that consistency is important for trust. The lack of consistency will cause me to distrust your brand. And finally, they're, they're the time, the frequency, the rhythm. The more you're in front of me, the more uh, frequently you're in front of me, uh, the longer you're, you're in front of me, the more rhythmic. So in, in predictable times that you're in front of me, uh, the, the higher the predictability is, the more I trust you. Let me summarize. First, don't say that you are trusted because your audience, your customer, your prospective customers don't trust you yet. And instead, what happens is you're using a word with no evidence or, or proof, and therefore you actually lose trust by using the word we're trusted. Instead, let other people say that you're trusted. Use the fact that the trust law number five, trust is transferable. Uh, people that your audience already trust, a lot of people, uh, individual independent agencies, demonstrate with evidence that you should be trusted that you're competent, that you are com person personally compatible or have personality compatibility with your audience. Provide symmetry, provide fa fairness. But I want you to remember one thing. You will not be trusted by everyone. Don't try and be all people, all things to all people. Decide who you want to be trusted by and focus on them and do everything from the context. Remember, trust is relative, laws one through four. Uh, do everything in the context 
of the person that you want, the specific person and audience you want to be trusted by. I want to talk about what's in season three, because this is the ninth episode of season two. And uh, I'm probably going to have one more uh, episode and then go to season three because I can't wait to start talking about what's in season three. So in season one, I, I kind of opened it up with what is trust. I gave you the eight laws of trust and how trust behaves, those eight laws that I observed. In season two, I focused on this is this season. What makes you trusted? The six components of my trustworthiness model. Season three, I'm going to go into what can you do? How do you become more trusted? I'm going to give you my proprietary seven-step process. I'm not going to hold anything back, I promise you. In the future, what else? I'll apply this model, this uh, eight laws, six components, seven steps, into different applications, different roles, into sales, into leadership, team members, project managers, consultants, advisors, coaches. By the way, those are all uh, mini books in my Can I Trust You uh, series. Uh, right now it has five books exactly for that, for salespeople, leaders, team members, project managers, and consultants, advisors, and coaches. I'm going to do one more thing in future episodes. I'm going to reflect on news uh, I'm going to reflect on other events that are happening and how different things have affected trust or were affected by trust. And, you know, anything that comes to mind. And just if there's anything that you want to know, if there's a question that's in your head, just ask. Send me an email. You can reach me at uh, yoram at yoramsolomon.com and I'll be happy to record something just for you. What would you like to know about trust and trustworthiness? Let me know and I'll make sure to answer it or find the answer to it in a future episode. I would love to hear from you. Email me at yoram at thetrustshow.com. That's Y-O-R-A-M at thetrustshow.com. If you like this podcast episode, subscribe to the show so you will automatically get new episodes. Rate it. Write a review for this podcast because those ratings would help others who are looking for a podcast just like this. If you're looking for more resources to learn about how to build trust, be trusted, or know who to trust, look up my online course at trustedatwork.com. Find my books on Amazon or go to my website, yoramsolomon.com. And remember one thing, the answer to these two questions will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? And can you trust me? Thank you for listening.